Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Sao Paulo, Jan Blakovich versus Jacare. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Jacare moving up to light heavyweight, taking on the surging contender Jan Blakovich in the main event. Yeah, Jan's been looking uh, pretty good lately, coming off that knockout win over a former 185-pounder in uh, Luke Rockhold. And now he gets an opportunity to take out another former 85-er in Jacare. I know Jacare had a uh, somewhat of a surprising last fight against Jack Hermanson. You know, he lost four rounds to one. But hey, he gets he gets to move up a weight class. He's getting up, uh, up there in age. And... Now uh, let's see how he does in a new division. Obviously, we were very high on people moving up in weight class back when we were seeing the Dustin Poiriers, the Kelvin Gastelums, the Robert Whitakers, even Darren Till as recently as last week. But in other cases, such as Chris Weidman, Luke Rocco, like you alluded to, it hasn't been working out as well. So it's going to be really uh, interesting to see which one of those two paths uh, Jacare goes in moving up 20 pounds. Yeah, 100%. And he's still a legend, man. Still one of the best guys to ever do it at middleweight. And now he doesn't want to take that uh, strain on his body. And now he wants to move up and wait. So I'm uh, excited to see how it goes. And, you know, Shogun, my boy, he's fighting on the card as well. And let's see if Paul Craig can pull off another food. I mean, if you would have told me that Shogun is fighting Paul Craig a couple years ago I would have laughed in your face but now it's interesting because uh you know we're gonna get to this when we break down this fight but one thing I really respect about Shogun is that you know he doesn't have any false illusions you know he's not you know uh, an egomaniac he's out here and he's won four of his last five because he's taking the right fights these days unlike guys like chris weidman who are still trying to take who you know who's been knocked out in five of his last six but he's still trying to fight the number one contender every fight shogun like you said isn't an egomaniac he's a legend a class act and gotta be a future ufc hall of famer right yeah exactly and, and then when you talk about and then when you talk about paul craig it's one of those things where I mean, how can you keep counting this guy out? You know, one second left in a fight, he'll tap out Anka live. He goes in there with Kennedy Neschuku, who has all the physical advantages, chokes him out with a minute left. Now he's coming off a knockout over a black belt. Actually, he tapped him out. Uh, Paul, Craig's, uh, Paul Craig is in prime position here for this co-main event. Paul Craig, he tends to shock a lot of people. I'm interested to see that with the step-up in competition, uh, how he does. And last but not least, the featured bout, Charles Dubronx Oliveira, the man with the most submissions in UFC history. He's taking on someone who has an incredible story and who's often counted out in Jared Gordon, a guy who's known for pushing the pace. Uh, it's going to be a hell of a fight in the featured bout. Yeah, 100%. Charles Oliveira is always action-packed, and Gordon always brings it as well, so I'm excited. Definitely. Well, before we break this card down, we got to give a quick shout-out to our sponsor, Flav CBD, the official CBD and THC sponsor of Half the Battle. Make sure you visit FlavCBD at FlavCBD.com. Use that promo code BATTLE to save 10% off any purchase. And Shaq, let's get right down to business, because first up in the Bantamweight division, we got Tracy Cortez, she's 6-1, and one, and Vanessa Mello, she's 10-6. and six. Currently, they got Tracy Cortez, minus 220, the comeback on Vanessa Mello is plus 180, so a lot more faith in Tracy Cortez, she is the bright prospect here, coming off Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series, Vanessa Mello stepped up on short notice to take on uh, Irena Aldana, didn't go her way. Who gets it done here in Brazil? Cortez is moving up a weight class in, for this fight. She's usually a 125-pounder, so that's something you got to look out for. And Melo, I guess, I mean, she moved forward the entire time against Irene, but she was kind of a punching bag. And to be honest, there's a chance that she might not be, I don't want to say deserving of a UFC shot, but she wouldn't have been in the UFC if uh, Irene's opponent didn't, uh, didn't get injured. So Cortez is the better overall fighter with their wrestling 
she's training at uh, Neuroforce One, Fight Ready, Henry Cejudo. And I think that Melo's a tough girl. I think she's a, got a, got some size on Tracy, but I think Tracy's too fast, too sharp. And I think Melo is just a, a, tough, a tough Brazilian fighter, but just gets hit too much. Doesn't really excel in any areas. That's where I think Cortez is young, getting better, and ha- definitely has a skill set with the takedown. Tracy Cortez brings a lot to the table, especially in the grappling department. She's scrambling all over the place. Uh, she gets very dominant positions, and most importantly, she breaks other girls' wills. And with Vanessa Mello, she's very tough, but she has a style that you can game plan for easily. She just walks forward, eats punches, tries to give punches. I mean, mostly she's landing at the air. Uh, you know, it's the Priscilla Cachoeira approach. Uh, it's fun to watch, no doubt about it. But Tracy Cortez is going to come in here with the right game plan, training at Fight Ready, or as we like to say in Brazil, Fight Chetty. I think she's going to come out here with a good game plan and win a 30-27. So I'm going Tracy Cortez as well. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got Veronica Macedo. She's 6-3. and three, And Ariane, the queen of violence, Lipsky, is 11-5. and five. Currently, they got Ariane Lipsky minus 115 and Veronica Macedo is minus 105. Well, uh, Shaq, uh, they call her the queen of violence. Uh, might be more like the queen of fraudulence, but uh, she's back in the favorite spot. There's a minus next to her name. Everyone uh, that doesn't know should know that Shaq went out there and cashed a plus 245 on Molly McCann against Ariane Lipsky. What do you think about this matchup here versus Macedo? Yeah, I mean, it's her comeback fight. Lipsky, I've said in the past, I think she's more of a model than a fighter. I think she just spams a bunch of punches, honestly. Now, Macedo, honestly, probably isn't that much better. Does seem like she is a better ground game. Lipsky kind of really isn't good anywhere inside, besides the fact that she throws a lot more punches. So if Macedo does happen to stand in front of her and can't get this to the mat, can't get Lipsky in a spot to take her down and try to get an arm bar, there is a chance that Lipsky wins a decision off the, the volume of punches. So I think this is probably Lipsky's most uh, winnable fight in these three against McCann and JoJo. Uh, and now Macedo. I think it's a 50-50 fight. I'm not high on either one of them. I think that Macedo struggles a lot due to her size. In her last fight, that was kind of the case as well. You know, she got taken down. She got easily taken down again as been the same issue so i'm not fully convinced that she's really you know making these improvements i know Pollyanna viana it was a high prospect at once but what's her what was her ufc record exactly you know so you know i, I i'm even though i think Lipsky's a complete fraud i actually think she might win this fight so i'll take her for it by a split decision win you know i think uh it's just going to be an ugly, ugly fight that if you bet either side, you're going to be very frustrated within those 15 minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I actually did sit down and watch a little bit of tape on it. And going into it, I wanted to make a case for Lipsky just because we know about Macedo's history. But, man, uh, we weren't kidding when we, call, when we called her the queen of fraudulence, you know. Uh, you know, some of that stuff, uh, she just doesn't have that intensity about her. I mean, she's out there throwing techniques and but it seems more like autopilot type stuff and I don't think she has the right surroundings or you know around her and stuff like that we're not going to get too deep into it but uh with Veronica Macedo it's also like how, how can you go out there and bank on a fluke armbar and and that's no disrespect because the technique she displayed in that fight uh was very 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 impressive man I I respect that and she's a brown belt so she earned that and She's also got some Taekwondo experience. You see those spinning back kicks every fight, which are pretty damn hard. It's a it's a tough fight to call. The reason I'm going to lean with Macedo is just because she fights with more intensity. So simply put, when the going gets tough, I think she will push harder. So for that reason, I'm going to take her here to win this fight. 
Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got the former bantamweight champion Henan Barrow. He's thirty-four and eight, and Douglas Silva D'Andrage is twenty-five and three. Shaq, you remember when uh, Henan Barrow was uh, thirty-two and one, the former pound-for-pound uh, pound king? Yeah. <laughs> Currently, they got Douglas Silva D'Andrage minus two sixty. The comeback on Henan Barrow, Henan the Baron Barrow, is plus two twenty. If you would have got these odds on this matchup four years ago, I mean, we would be betting uh, our houses. We would be betting <laughs> our 401ks, the whole bit. But now, in 2019, is there value on plus 220 on the former Bantamweight champion, Hennon Burrell? Yeah, this is a good matchup because Hennon Burrell lost to Brian Keller. <laughs> he lost to Andre Uhl. He lost to... Luke Sanders, I mean, guys were in his prime, man. He would uh, smoke. So we know he's pretty much completely done. The thing is, you know, now his back is probably completely against the wall. And I'm just interested to see if he makes weight or not. You know, the guy's missed weight in, I think, two of his last three fights. You know, if he misses weight again, he's probably the same thing's probably going to happen. He's going to uh, probably come out with the hard storm early and then eventually uh, get knocked out in the late rounds. I'm just not convinced that. Uh, De Silva is trustworthy at a line like that. I know De Silva has a great record, but me and you both know that a lot of those wins uh, were against uh, what we like to refer to as taxi drivers. And yeah, he does have a win over Marlon Cheeto Vera in the UFC. And now he's fighting in Brazil. Uh, maybe he can take those vitamins again that he was on that night. But uh, I think that most likely De Silva's going to win and his, the damage has already been done. But I would not be shocked that that De Silva is also in a very old, weathered version. I mean, the guy, I know he's got the win over Marlon Vera, but prior to that, he was coming off a vicious KO loss to Rob Font. And then after his last fight against Peter Yen, where they had to stop the fight in between rounds, I know that uh, Hennon Burrell's been losing a lot of fights, but I'm not convinced that De Silva's confidence is much higher than his uh, just coming off that fight. So uh, I think the... Uh, uh, I'll pick these silver to win a, to probably finish them, but I think the value in the bet, uh, betting-wise is on Henneberg. Uh, I think that the difference is that those guys that he lost to are a little young, and this guy is probably on the tail end as well. Yeah, I mean, look, the Rob fight was actually a submission loss, but the yeah. damage taken was you know just yeah. as much as, as if it was a brutal chaos, so no doubt about it. And, I mean, I hear what you're saying. It's not like Douglas De Silva hasn't been out here taking hellacious beatings himself. It's not just Hennon that's out here getting significant uh, strike records set on his face uh, yeah, by I mean, TJ. De Silva only fights so frequently, you know. Uh, we not, you know. The thing is, like you alluded to, if he's uh, hitting up my boy Fred Flintstone on fight week uh, and we see that guy we saw against Cheeto Vera here against Hennon Burrell, I do think that he's going to come out here and make a statement against Hennon Burrell because, look, I got to give Hennon a lot of credit. Obviously, you guys know I'm a longtime fan of his from back in the day, but most recently, since he's been on that skid, I thought he looked pretty damn good in that first round against Luke Sanders. Like, uh, I got to say, it's like, man, he, it's old, it's old Hennon out there. A lot of it, like the Keller fight, the first round, the hard Jeremy fight. I mean, let's see, let's see if he makes weight. <laughs> <laughs> Did, didn't he uh, low-key win the first uh, yeah. round against Aljamain? Yeah, he won all those first rounds. <laughs> it's a matter of when is he going to start uh, doing the... Why does uh, he start doing the Nova, <laughs> doing the Nova. immediately after the first it's round? Like, no, <laughs> it's like, during that Luke no, Sanders fight, we were like... But I'm saying, this guy that he's fighting does that as well. So I'm like, I'm really curious to see like how this goes. But this guy kept it together versus Cheeto Vera Cheeto, in that third Cheeto round. 
When Cheeto Vera lets shit go in that third round, when he won that third round versus Lineker, when he head kicked Brad Pickett in that third round, De Silva was still there. Uh, you know, those Brazilian doctors got him right for three rounds there. You think they? You think they're gonna Let's get him right he here? Comes off the vicious <laughs> Peter Yan beating. So look, bottom line is, even in that Peter Yan fight, I did see signs that I mean, look, this guy throws hard when he decides to finally throw. Obviously, he was overwhelmed by the volume of Peter Yan. So, you know, you, there's no excuse for losing to Peter Yan. Very tough guy, top three in the world, no big deal. But here against Hennon Burrell, I do think that if he gets past this first-round storm, he's going to take over, and he's going to beat the former champion. So I will go with the favorite. I will go with Douglas De Silva Andrade. Now next up in the welterweight division, we got Worley Alves. He's 13-3, and and Randy Brown is 11-3. and Currently, they got Worley Alves minus 120. The comeback on Randy Brown is plus 100. Well, Shaq, two former prospects, uh, two guys that people used to have a lot of high expectations for, but arguably are both coming off their best performances to date. So who do you think uh, gets on a two-fight win streak here? Or Lee Alves, the only guy that ever beat Kobe Covington, submitted him in the first round. If some of y'all haven't seen that, you got to go back and check that out. And uh, Randy Brown, like you said, coming off the best performance of his career against Barbarina. I feel like there's a chance that uh, in both guys' last fight, they were fighting diminished versions of the other guy. Sergino was coming off that vicious calf kick beating the Tony Martin. And Tony Martin just... Uh, Brutally fucked up Ramazan Amiv's calves uh, this past weekend. So and uh, Randy was fighting Barbarina, who was Barbarina was coming off that Vicente Luque fight. You know, got viciously knocked out there. So I think that Worley Alves is probably slightly overall better. But I feel like Randy Brown, if he keeps getting the confidence, if he keeps uh, getting more comfortable in that UFC cage, that he's got a lot of great athletic tools to make up the ground and, you know, overall skill. I think that on the given day, these guys aren't too far apart. I agree with where the line is, give or take either side. So I don't think uh, in the betting-wise, is really betting terms, there's really much value on either side. I think it could go either way. I'll take Randy Brown. I think he's going to be more confident in this fight coming off that Barbarina fight. And I've always said that if you make Orly Alves work, that he'll get tired. And I think uh, in this fight, he's going to get tired. And the long, lengthy, rangy strikes of Randy Brown is going to really give him problems. I think if he starts moving it forward in this fight, that Orly's going to do the same thing that he did against Krause. You know, flat-footed uh, against, the, uh, against the cage, taking a lot of shots. And Randy Brown's mistakes are just more so... Just mental, and Worley definitely has the skills to put him in those. Worley's a vet. Like I said, beat Kobe Covington, Juban. I think it's a 50-50 fight, but I'll take Randy Brown. I think he's, although he's a little, uh, he's actually older than Worley, I think he's uh, a little fresher in terms of the overall damage. Great points uh, you bring to the table. Amazing fight. Cannot wait to see what happens. Both guys have had a lot of high expectations, but both, uh, you got to give them a lot of credit, man. The performances that they're coming off of after those last losses, these guys put their heads down, they grinded, and now you're seeing the best versions of themselves. And uh, Randy Brown, when this man goes forward, uh, it can be very scary. The knees, the straight punches, even on the ground, very effective there as well. And Worley Alves, man, he learned from that James Krause fight. He comes back that next fight against Sergino, followed a game plan to a T, started using those calf kicks to a point. And uh, then he went upstairs and got him out of there. And if there's one way to beat a tall man, you got to chop down that that tree shack. And uh, I think that's exactly what Worley Alves is going to do here. I think he's going to go back to the kicks that you saw in that last fight. I think he's going to chop down Randy Brown. It's going to be close at times, but I think that if it hits the scorecards, 
Morley's going to get his arm raised in Brazil. But there's a chance that there could be a finish here. Now, there could be a finish on either side because Randy could land one of those knees. You saw Worley uh, get rocked by James Krause. But that being said, I'm going to go with Worley Alves here to get it done. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got Francisco Masuranduba Trinaldo. He's 23-7, and and Bobby Green is 24-9. and Currently, they got Francisco Trinaldo minus 140. The comeback on Bobby Green is plus 120. Well, Shaq, uh, two lightweight standouts that have been on the roster for a very long time. It's uh, it's interesting that they haven't met up until now, but now they are going to meet. You know for a fact it's going to be an entertaining fight while it lasts. Uh, which lightweight warrior you think gets it done? Green and Trinaldo, you know that both those guys bring it. Bobby Green, his last fight feels like it was controversial against Jakar. Trinaldo feels like his last fight was controversial against Hernandez. You know, initially, I haven't, can't necessarily necessarily say it was the robbery that I thought, or the magnitude that I thought it was, but uh, Trinaldo, he only has himself to blame, you know. I know neither guy really did much, but, you know, he was fighting Alexander's hometown, so it is what it is. And Bobby Green, that fight was very close with Jakar. Could have went either way, but I, I did agree with with the scorecards i did think jakar did enough to win in the first and third rounds i feel like in this matchup it's a it's a, a case of volume versus power you know you got Trinado who throws way less but he throws that vicious uh overhand left and you got bobby green who likes to switch stance and throws a lot of volume likes to use head movement the shoulder roll got good wrestling i think that bobby green is honestly live in this fight i, I think that Trinado is getting up there in age i don't know how much longer he can hover around that gatekeeper so i mean he is a gatekeeper but now he's fighting another gatekeeper i think that bobby green might be a little bit hungrier coming into this spot i know that uh he's been out for a while he thought about retirement i think he's really pissed about the how the jakar fight went i think that he throws a lot more I think that he can avoid that big power shot of Trinaldo, but it is a close fight, but I'll go with Bobby Green. I think he's going to throw more volume than uh, Trinaldo, and I think that he's going to make him work, make him get tired, and Trinaldo just uh, has been a little bit off to me in his last few fights. I know he's got the great record, but I feel like in a, in a lot of his fights in the past, he would have won those, and now I feel like he's starting to struggle, and I'm not sitting there trying to act like Bobby Green's doing much better, but man, in that Eric Koch fight, in those last two rounds, he put a he put a pace on him. I think he can do something similar here. Yeah, again, great points, man, because when the fight was announced, I was thinking Trinado was going to come out here and teach Bobby Green a lesson, but then you sit down and you watch their fights, and, man, Bobby Green does have a lot more output than Francisco Trinaldo, and I love Trinaldo. I'm a big fan. You know he's got the big overhand left. You know he's a very well-rounded guy. I mean, at one point was on a seven-fight win streak, but, man. Paul Felder. Yeah, finish Paul Felder. Yeah thing is, he is 40 years old. He might be 41 years old at this point, and it seems like the output is waning a little bit. And one thing about Bobby Green is, even though Bobby Green fights with his hands down, there is that chance that Trinaldo could land that overhand left. Bobby Green stays active the entire fight, man. He's throwing the entire time, and that could be enough with the judges. But at the same time, Trinaldo has been getting robbed, uh, in his opinion, on a couple of these fights in Texas. Well, now he's in Brazil. So we'll see uh, what the Brazilian judges have to say about it. Maybe they favor him even if it looks like Bobby Green won the fight. You know, maybe it's one of those situations. Maybe now he gets a bullshit decision in his favor. So, look, from a betting perspective, it's dog or pass because after after analyzing the matchups, this is a very close fight, and Bobby Green definitely has a path to victory. But since it's in Brazil as a, as a pure pick, I'll go Trinaldo here to edge a decision, uh, controversial or not. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got Ricardo Ramos. He's 13-2, and, and Eduardo Garigori is 13-0. and 0. 
Currently, they got Ricardo Ramos, minus 330. The comeback on Eduardo Garagori is plus 270. So, Shaq, this is uh, the featherweight debut of Ricardo Ramos. He was a very big bantamweight. Taking on Eduardo Garagori, who's coming off that win against Bandanai. Uh, between you and me, this is Eduardo Garagori's second real fight. Uh, you think he goes 2-0 and or 1-1? and This is a great matchup, Ricardo. Felt like the cut to Bantamweight was a little bit too much. He's a young kid. I think he's 23, 24. So now he's moving up to 45. And Garagori had a, a good showing against Bandanai. Beat him in every round for the most part. Definitely got taken down a couple times. So I think that's where the where the matchup is going to is gonna get interesting because Ricardo Ramos does have good, ju- good jiu-jitsu, probably a lot better jiu-jitsu than Bandanai. And, you know, Garagori did get his back taken in that fight. But, hey, I'll tell you what, Garagori, anytime they were out on the feet, man, he was throwing a lot of low kicks, a lot of hard body kicks, exploding with his hands, throwing multiple punches at once. So I think that uh, this fight could play out a lot closer than the line. Ricardo Ramos, I think, is a very talented guy. His only UFC loss uh, loss is to Sayiner Magomedov, who I think is uh, one of the best prospects at Bantamweight right now. So... I think that Ricardo Ramos is moving up long term is definitely going to be good for him. I think he's got a lot of good overall skills, but I think Garagori is a dog. And what I what I mean by that is I, I do have a feeling that if this becomes a dog fight, that Garagori does have the possibility to possibly break Ramos. I know Ramos has a pattern of kind of sometimes in these third rounds getting a little tired. We know in the member in the Tanaka fight, remember in the Kyung Ho Kang fight. Uh, his last fight was only against Journey Newsom, who was a short-notice replacement. So I wouldn't jump the whole Ricardo uh, Ramos is, you know, on his way to the top 15. You know, I wouldn't go that far just yet. I think Garagori is a very underrated guy that not too many people know about. Fights with a lot of passion. I think he's got all the uh, possibilities for an upset, man. So I think it's a dog or pass situation. Yeah, I slightly lean Ramos. He's more experienced, been through a lot more things in the UFC. But I think uh, Garagori can pull off the upset here, man. But, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take Ramos, but by a close, close decision. Yeah, I mean, my biggest question is what happens if this hits the mat? You know what I mean? Is it is this a situation where Ramos takes his back one time and the fight's over shortly after? Or is this a spot where Garagori can weather the early storm and put it on this kid late? Because I'll tell you what, in that debut with, with Eduardo Garagori, I understand it's Humberto Bandanai, but Eduardo was throwing some heat, man. And when he got in those bad spots on the ground, he stayed calm, he stayed composed, got back up to his feet. You know, he wasn't trying to play jujitsu off his back. He knew exactly what he had to do, push that head down, get his back to the fence, wall walk, get back up. So uh, he knows what he's doing out there. And with Ricardo Ramos, we need to figure out if featherweight's the right move for him or if, you know, the kid's, the kid's young, he's... What if he's kind of undisciplined with his diet, and that's why he was having trouble making 35s? We don't quite know the deal yet with that, so this fight's going to tell us a lot, man. I agree with Shaq in the sense that you do have to lean Ricardo Ramos, but is he the lock that you know people are thinking he is in this spot? I don't necessarily think so. I could be wrong. Could take his back one time and choke him out. But I just have this feeling that Garagori is a dog, and this is a dog or pass situation. So I'll lean Ramos as well, but uh, if I were to bet this fight, it would be a shot on Garagori. Now next up in the welterweight division, we got Sergio Serginho Morais. He's 14-5, and five, and James Krause is 26-7. and seven. Currently, they got James Krause minus 185. The comeback on Sergio Morais is plus 160. 
Well, you got black belt versus black belt, but obviously Serginho has uh, the big credentials. And, man, I mean, two veterans of the game. Both guys have some big wins. Who do you think gets it done? Is The Brazilian's an underdog in Brazil here, Shaq. Over the years, I haven't really been too high on Kraus until his last fight. You know, his last fight, he looked really good. That was his first fight at 170. So maybe he's one of these guys that kind of, I mean, he is on a five, five or six fight winning streak, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, his other fights, the competition uh, level really wasn't that high. You know, only Shane Campbell, Alex White, uh, uh, Tom Galicchio. So I really wasn't taking him too seriously. But until he beat Orly Alves and stopped him, I was like, man, uh, Sergio Moraes, what can I say? His last two fights, he's been getting the calf kicked. And I'm assuming that James Krause uh, and Mark Montoya watched, that, uh, watched his last two fights against uh, Anthony Martin and uh, Orly Alves. And I'm assuming they're planning to throw the calf kick. Sergio Sergio hasn't been checking them. But overall, I think that I'm not 100% you know, sure if Kraus is going to uh, come with that game plan. And this fight is in Brazil. I feel like Sergio definitely has a firepower advantage with his power. Kraus likes to use his overall skills to make guys work. And I don't know necessarily if that's going to work on a guy like Sergio. He likes to switch stance. In his last fight, I really didn't see too many calf kicks besides a couple. I feel like if he throws the calf kick, then the fight's going to be easy. But if he tries to use all his other skills, then that then possibly that this fight could be a little bit closer than people think. If you got Sergio at plus 185 where it was earlier, I mean, I, I'm not going to say it's a bad bet. I just think it, the, the condition that he's in is not good. He is 40. He's been mollywopped his last two fights. Uh, what about the Usman fight? What about the third round of the Means fight? What about, you know, uh, I mean, the guy's been taking the third round of the auto fight. I mean, the guy's been taking a lot of damage. He's getting up there in age. So I wouldn't be surprised if Kraus did clean up here and, you know, made... Made him get three in a row, so I'll pick him here. I think he slightly is the better overall fighter in better condition, uh, but I'm not 100% sure that he's trustworthy at a line like this. Like me and you were talking about earlier in the week, this guy does have a life outside of fighting. I'm not saying he's one foot in and one foot out, but I just think that I'm not going to jump the gun on him at 170 uh, completely, and I think this is a different matchup than Rocco Martin and uh, Worley Elvis. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, it's a very interesting matchup for sure. And with James Krause, uh, you know, people are saying that Sergino's on his way out, but James Krause was talking retirement recently as well. So, you know, both guys are kind of in the same boat. You know, I do agree with Krause being favored just in the sense that he does have a style to go out there and beat Sergio Moraes in the sense that if he goes out there with that volume, overwhelm him, not get caught with that big shot not get taken down and submitted, easier said than done. He can go out there and win this fight. Or if he follows the the blueprint, which has been laid out in Sergio's last two fights with the calf kicks, the thing is we don't see Kraus throw too many calf kicks. He, he's more of a front kick kind of guy. That being said, man, I have a feeling this fight is going to be really close. And with Sergio Moraes, you know, it can look like he lost the fight. But when it goes, when, when it's down there in Brazil, you know, I thought he lost that Tim Means fight. And uh, guess what? He, he won that Tim Means fight. I thought uh, he lost that Luan Chagas fight, and guess what? It was a draw. So I'm probably going to think James Krause won this fight, and they're going to say uh, Sergio Moraes by split decision. So I'm going uh, with Sergio Moraes for the upset here. Now next up in the middleweight division, we got Marcus Maluco Perez. He's 11-2, and and Wellington Terman is 15-3. and Currently, they got Marcus Perez, minus 115. The comeback on Wellington Terman is minus 105. Well, Shaq, uh, Marcus Maluka opened minus 260. Currently, he's minus 115. 
So needless to say, all the action's been coming in on the underdog Wellington Terman. He did go to a split decision with Carl Roberson. You think he's got enough to beat uh, his fellow uh, countrymen in Brazil? Wellington Thurman is very good for his age. Maluco coming off the best performance of his career against Anthony Hernandez. I mean, that was by far the best he's ever looked, his best performance. So I feel like uh, both guys are getting better for sure, especially a kid like Wellington being that young. He might come back this time a, a completely different version. But we know that Maluco is a little undersized for the weight class, but... Maluko's an intense guy, and I feel like he could possibly be getting more comfortable inside that octagon, might be getting more confident. I like the stare down that these two guys had uh, had earlier today. You know, I feel like Wellington Thurman, very talented kid, bright future. I feel like he's got all the skills to win this fight. Like I said, Marcus Maluko Perez is undersized for the weight class, but he's got a skill set of jujitsu. He likes to take guys down, and he likes to outgrapple guys, and I'm not 100% convinced that he's going to do that to Marcus Maluko Perez. Both both of these guys are black belts. Let's see if it's a stand-up bore. I feel like Maluko does get pushed back a lot, but he throws that left kick, and I'm just you know, sometimes in the, where these guys go to a Go to a split decision with a relatively, or have a good performance against a guy that we all know in their debuts, but they're really young, and people expect them to come back again and perform on a in their second fights on a on the same level. But sometimes these kids are a little bit green and young, and uh, sometimes they're not fully trustworthy. Sometimes they go out there and pull stunts out here against these more experienced guys. So I think Marcus Maluco opened minus two sixty for uh, some underlying reason. I think that he's more experienced. I think he's getting more comfortable in that case. Age. Not saying that Wellington Thurman can't win, but I think Marcus Maluco is going to be a better version of himself, and I think that he's going to just outwit him in certain spots and, and just be the vet here and, and get his third UFC win. A perfect example of a newcomer getting overvalued because of you know some kind of valiant effort in a loss in a debut is this kid Noeline Hernandez. You know, got finished by Cheeto Vera for whatever reason. Everyone's praising the kid and then. Jack Shore was under 2-1 to one against the guy. So could this be a similar situation? I'm very intrigued to Hau find Chin. out. You know, how can Carlos Houchin versus Teco. You, you understand what I'm saying? That's a perfect example. So I'm curious if this is that same scenario. No, you know, these are these are bigger men. This is uh, Does the same uh, situation apply at middleweight as well? Uh, look, Wellington Terman, you got to respect the fact he is a jiu-jitsu black belt. He fought tough with, uh, with Carl Roberson. There was a spot in that fight where he could have finished via rear naked choke. Other men would have tapped. Carl was very tough that night, so much respect. Definitely UFC caliber. But Marcus Maluco Perez, uh, if you're not quite on his level, he will beat you up, man. <laughs> you know, just ask Ian Heinish about that time that he arm triangled him from guard. Just ask Anthony Fluffy Hernandez about that time he body kicked him and, and uh, hung off his neck. So. I think it's one of those situations where Wellington will stick around in the UFC, but I think he's going to get finished in this fight. So I'm going to go Marcus Maluco Perez to finish Wellington Terman. Now, also in the middleweight division, we got Antonio Arroyo. He's 9-2, and two, and Andre Muniz is 18-4. and four. Currently, they got Andre Muniz, minus 120. The comeback on Antonio Arroyo is plus 100. Well, Shaq, uh, two newcomers coming from Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series. Who do you think goes 1-0 in the UFC? Yeah, this is a great matchup. Antonio Arroyo, he's a good southpaw, throws vicious kicks. I mean, this guy's kicks have a lot of power, but on the downside, he's, his ground game's a little bit questionable. He's been submitted bit, uh, submitted twice. His last fight, he got in a bad armbar position. And the reason I bring that up is because Muniz, 
This guy's jujitsu is on point. I mean, I've seen him pull off some fancy arm bars. And on the feet, Arroyo might be the more dynamic guy. Muniz is just standard. He likes to keep things simple until he gets it to the mat. But I'm not convinced that if Muniz gets on top of Arroyo, that Arroyo's getting up. I think that, uh, I'm not sure what degree black belt he is, but he's a legit black belt. Uh, I feel like I, I slightly lean him. I think that if he gets this fight to the mat, I think his jiu-jitsu is that good. I wouldn't count out Arroyo. He's a dynamic guy, but we have seen him tap to some... I don't want to say bizarre things, but I mean, we have seen him pull stunts on that map before, and I know he's coming off these flashy finishes, but the last guy that he fought on Contender Series, well, you know, was a can, but I feel like Muniz's performance against that college wrestler was a lot more t a tougher challenge and a lot more impressive, so I like uh, Muniz to come in here and get a get a submission win. I, I think Arroyo's going to have a bright future. I think he's a very dynamic with his kicks, but I think that this guy Muniz is Knows where his skills lie, and I think he's going to get it to the ground and submit this guy. Yeah, I like both these kids a lot. Obviously, Antonio Arroyo, very, very good kicker. Switches his stance. Uh, also, he's pretty decent on the ground as well, man. I mean, he's, he's rounding out his game. He's an exciting guy to watch. Very physical for the weight class. Definitely has a good future in the UFC. But Andre Muniz... I mean, he's already had over 20 professional fights, and man, his jujitsu, when I tell you it's legit, from what I've seen so far, that technique is pretty goddamn on point, and I think that if he does get on top of Arroyo one time, the fight could be over shortly after. So we're going to see if uh, Muniz is the black belt that I think he is, but if he is, he's tapping out Arroyo. So I'm going Andre Muniz via submission. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got Charles Dubronx Oliveira. He's 27-8, and eight, and Jared Flash Gordon is 15-3. and three. Currently, they got Charles Oliveira, minus 410. The comeback on Jared Gordon is plus 330. Well, Shaq, a lot of us were wondering why this fight got matched up, but at the same time, why complain? Two of the most exciting guys in the lightweight division. You got the guy in Charles Oliveira with the most submissions in UFC history versus Jared Gordon, who, win or lose, this kid brings it every time. So who you got in uh, the featured bout? Yeah, I've been really impressed with DeBronx's uh, the way how he's evolved lately, man. He, his stand-up, I feel like now at this stage in his career that he can go legit go out there and stand up with guys. I know Nick Lentz's last fight, I mean, he put that guy down. He, I feel like Charles has evolved a lot. I feel like he's got a second win in his career. If you would have told me a couple years ago that Charles would be out here kickboxing guys, I mean, he knocked out a kickboxer in David Tamar. That was after getting dropped. If you would have told me that Charles Oliveira came back from getting dropped in a fight, I would have told you you were crazy. I mean, I feel like the guy's got a lot more confidence than uh, what he used to. And Jared Gordon, a very tough guy. Got a lot of respect for him. Decent boxing. I love the kid's story. Uh good on the mat as well brown belt under jan danaher but i mean when you really look at his last fight he got fully mounted by dan moret he got his back taken by dan moret i think that jared good uh jared gordon's gonna be in the ufc for a long time i just don't think he's ready for a matchup like this i think charles Oliveira is on a completely different level i mean i know that two of jared gordon's teammates have a win over him and i'm sure they gave him a lot of advice i just don't think he's capable of executing that i think that charles Oliveira, the whole you know, if he, will he quit again? I mean, we'll see. But I think that you got to be have the skill set to make that happen. And as we saw in his last fight, I mean, he got fully mounted by Dan Moret, who wasn't able to hold his job in the UFC. I got Charles Oliveira by first round submission or knockout. You know, shout out to Jared Gordon's good friend, Emmanuel Matador Sanchez. Make 
sure you use the promo code MATADOR to save 15% off any package at bestfightpicks.com. Got a lot of love for Rufus Sport. Obviously, Jared Gordon, roommates with Bilal Muhammad, really cool guy as well. So we're fans of Jared Gordon, but, man, I was very shocked when this fight got, got announced, man. And uh, I thought this was a mismatch since the day it got announced. Watch tape. I still think it's a mismatch. Uh, Charles Dubronx, you know, in the past we've criticized him for pulling stunts, but not only were those stunts against, you know, guys guys in the top ten, uh, champions such as Max Holloway, you know, top ten, top fifteen guys, Cowboy Cerrone. Like, we're we're talking about real guys here. Former champions or title champions. Not that Jared Gordon's not a real guy. That's not what I'm saying at all. But, you know, Jared Gordon's more like in the top 50, like 5-0. And when we're talking about Charles Oliveira, we're talking about top 15. And, you know, that's not the best analysis or whatever. We can talk about, you know, the height difference, the reach difference, but just the skill difference, man, and the confidence and the experience. Right now... You know, Charles Oliveira, he'll be eating shots in fights that in the past he would have folded up. But now he's walking through it, coming back uh, after big eye pokes where he's gouged, you know, deep into that into that socket. Fights where he's dropped, and he's coming back and still finishing guys. So that, to me, is not just the evolution in his skill set, but a huge evolution in his mental, man. His, his confidence is on a level that it hasn't been before, and that's why he's performing the way he is. That's why he's a top 15 guy right now. And I remember when I suggested that he should fight Gregor Gillespie, and everyone laughed at me like, oh, do you want to get Charles killed? Uh, I doubt you guys are laughing now. You know what I'm saying? Uh, do you want to get Gregor killed? That's the real question, but no, no. We don't want to get no one killed. So I, I just think Charles Oliveira is going to head kick Jared Gordon, and then he's going to try to go for a takedown, and then he's going to get guillotined. So I'm going with Charles Dubron. Bronx Oliveira via finish in this fight. Co-main event of the evening in the light heavyweight division. We got Mauricio Shogun Hua, or as we like to say in Brazil, Shaq, Mauricio Shogun. He's 26 and 11, and Paul Craig is 12 and 4. Currently, they got Mauricio Shogun, minus 280. The comeback on Paul Craig is plus 240. Well, this is a fight we probably thought we'd never see, but now we're seeing it. I mean, has Paul Craig caught up to the point where you can beat a legend like Shogun? I think that Paul Craig is a very good fighter. Like you said, the win over Ankalaev, Kennedy, integral fights where a lot of people thought he was a goner. He was the, he was the underdog. Uh, is, that, is that Robert Hale? What's good, bro? What's up, bro? What's up, bro? You know about uh, Shogun and Paul Craig? Oh, you talking to Paul Craig? They be coming back out of the, yeah, the blue, yeah, out of everybody yeah. and shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's funny. He be, I don't know how you he think, be. You think Joe Selecki's going to win a UFC fight? No. <laughs> you think he's going to do what JSP did? Yeah. It's going to be worse, though. It's going it's to be like, damn, I feel bad for him. <laughs> JSP was like, yeah, he, he deserved that ass whooping. <laughs> Joe Selecki, everybody going to be like, He's my hero. <laughs> He's the hero of South Carolina. But everybody don't know that Joe Selecki is the future. So you said for facts, he turned, he turned you down? For facts, 100%. Twice. <laughs> on, on, on the record? On the record. On the record. Yeah, we supposed to fight for CFFC. <laughs> Joe Selecki turned out Robert Hill. You heard it here first, right here, right now, on Half the Battle. <laughs> the kid that's fighting Matt Wyman. So we got to break down two more fights. He's fighting Matt Wyman? Yeah, uh, Joe Selecki's fighting Matt Wyman. Y'all should bet your money on Matt Wyman. He's going to be a big underdog. <laughs> For real? But the thing is, he was coming off a five-year layoff his, his fight before that. Yeah, Bro. I got you. Bring that over here. Bro, I'm telling you. You need to put your money on So you're saying Joe Selecki's going to My boy Robert Hill is saying Matt Wyman's going to beat Joe Selecki. <laughs> oh, most definitely. Joe Selecki, 
I hope you listen. <laughs> Come see me. <laughs> Please. <laughs> y'all, I can't believe that. Like, so y'all are only half bad right now? Yeah. Like, really? Shack yeah. <laughs> half the battle. Shout out to Daniel. Shout out to Shaq. You only get it one place. So uh, we, we got to talk about this uh, Mauricio Shogun versus Paul Craig fight. So obviously... It's a fight that we never thought we'd see, a fight between Mauricio Shogun versus Paul Craig. But here it's happening. You think Paul Craig is caught up to fight a legend like Shogun? <laughs> to be honest, not really. I think that Paul Craig's an exciting fighter. He beat Ankalaev, beat Kennedy, uh, Njuku. And, you know, but then we saw what happened when he fought a real heavy hitter named Alonzo Menafield. He got knocked out in the first round. And I still feel like Shogun packs that type of power. The issue with Shogun is he does get wobbled every fight. He does get rocked every fight. So you got to be careful uh, careful of that when you talk about that minus 280 line. But Paul Craig, I think the only way he wins this fight is by a fluke KO. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Shogun's going to get a first round knockout in front of his uh, Brazilian fans. You know, Paul Craig's one of these guys that you keep wondering, when's this guy going to stop getting these come-from-behind finishes? I mean, against Anka Live, against Kennedy and, Zet- and Zetchuku, both of them with one minute left in the third round. So it's unbelievable how he does it. And if he does it again, I'm not going to be surprised because that would be the third time that he's done it. And with Shogun, you know, he's a legend in the sport, one of my all-time favorite fighters, and I expect him to win this fight. But little things have been happening in his fights here and there. You know, against Tyson Pedro, that headbutt wobbled him really badly. You know, little things could happen here with a guy like Paul Craig. So I'm not counting him out completely, but do I think he's going to come out here and beat uh, Mauricio Shogun Hua in Brazil? No, I do not. I, I think he's going to get knocked out in the first round. So I'm going uh, Mauricio Shogun via vicious knockout. Robert, uh, Robert Hale, uh, who, who you got, uh, Shogun or Paul Craig? Uh, I got Paul Craig just because <laughs> he comes back and does the most outrageous things. And, like, those two fights that uh, I did count him out on surprised the hell out of me. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Paul Craig. But don't be surprised if he actually gets Shogun out of there because Shogun is battle-tested and battle-worn. Yeah. Well, I mean, when Paul Craig wins, he wins by finish. He has a 100% finish rate. Oh, really? In his fights in general, he either wins by finish or he gets finished. Somebody going to get finished. Yeah, yeah. It's most likely going to be the one who gets, who can. Whoever gets cut. Well, you know, you can blow in and race up. Yeah, yeah. You ain't lying about that. That's what I was talking about. That headbutt with Tyson Pedro is wobbling all over the place. Main event of the evening in the light heavyweight division, we got Jan Blakovich. He's 24 and 8, taking on Jacare Souza, who's 26 and 7. Currently, they got Jan Blakovich minus 165. The comeback on Jacare Souza is plus 145. So, Shaq, is this going to be another case where uh, the middleweight moves up to light heavyweight and takes a knockout loss like Weidman and Rockhold? Or do you think Jacare Souza can have a career resurgence here against the surging contender Jan Blakovich? Yeah, I'm not surprised by the way the, the the action came in on the line, how Jacare seems to, as of recently, been getting steamed. So I'm not surprised it is in Brazil. But let's not forget the last time that he fought in Brazil, he lost to Kelvin Costello. And it's interesting because, you know, Jacare's got a bully style. His style is really meat, meat and potatoes. He likes to move forward and bully guys and either get that submission or 
get that knockout. But when you really look at the guys that he's been fighting lately, I think it's a, one of those cases where the guys, it's a lot of name value. But Chris Wyman, like we've seen, he tried to move up to 205. Jan Blakovich already put another one of those guys in, in his place. And Luke Rocco trying to move up from 185. I think that uh, uh, that Jan Blakovich knocked out. So I think that uh, Jacare, this is honestly just a, a desperation. He's ran out of answers at 185. And I feel like the Jack Hermanson was very, the Jack Hermanson loss is very alarming because if you watch that fight, Jack Hermanson comes out, wobbles him with the uppercut in the first round, and then he wins the second round. But then Jacare actually comes back and, you know, whoops up on Jack pretty, pretty badly in that third round. But then what happened in the fourth and fifth? He was supposed to take over. Instead, he completely fell apart. I, I think that Jacare had a good run, but I think at 39 years old, moving up a weight class, I think this is a bad idea. I know that, I think it's just, you know, yeah, I, I did it. It's a strain on his body, but I think, you know, you should take a lesser fight. I don't think you come up in a weight class, fight the number four guy in Blakovic. And Blakovic is a guy that doesn't get consistently doesn't get enough credit. He's been an underdog in a lot of spots. And I think the fact that he's opening up a favorite is, uh, I don't want to say a good sign, but I think that he's going to come out here and decisively beat Jacare. I mean, he's been coming out here and dropping guys. He's been rarely losing rounds. I know he lost to Tiago Mejeda Santos, but he is 5-1 and one since he... In this uh, late, latest version since the Devin Clark fight, and I like what I see. I see an overall skill set. Guy really fights like a just a very safe. He doesn't. He's very calculated. The Maheda fight. Maheda look. Maheda's the only guy that ever went to split with John Jones. I think Maheda doesn't get enough credit as well. I think that John Bokovic is going to come out here and excel in this spot. I think Jacare is old, weathered, uh, a weathered fighter, and I think that moving up in weight class is a bad idea at his age. The guys in this weight class throw with a different type of ferocity, a different type of power. Kelvin Gastelum, uh, I mean, these guys were out here dropping them. Rob Whitaker, I know those guys are great fighters, but those guys are a lot smaller. And I feel like Jacare, every tough test he had at 185, he failed. And now he's moving up. When you really look at his wins at 185, I know Brunson is a guy he already beat. He uh, does have a win over Gegard Mousasi, but uh, Chris Wyman. But like I said, a lot of name value. But uh, I think that Blackovich in a different weight class, the gap is too much to cover here. And I think Blackovich actually gets a finish here in Brazil. You know, it's interesting because when guys say that they're the 2.0 version of themselves, you always got to question if that's true. Because on one hand, Jan Blakovich was out here losing to guys like Pat Cummins at one point, And it was very laughable. He had lost four of his last five. But boy, has he turned things around, man. I mean, now he's number six in the world. And he's won four of his last five. And the only loss to the number one contender, Maheda. But most importantly, it's the way that he's fighting out there. He's fighting so composed. And he's not a guy that's going to go out there and take any unnecessary risks and that's why he probably doesn't get the respect that he deserves because he's very meat and potatoes out there but when it's time to strike he makes it count and when it's time to mix in takedowns he makes that count as well so also has never been submitted before which is important to know when you're fighting a guy like Jacare. So, interestingly enough, a couple years ago, if he was fighting the version that fought Pat Cummins a couple years back, I would pick Jacare via first-round submission, but I think the blueprint has been laid out on how to beat a guy like Jacare, and I think that Jan is going to follow to a T, whether it's a finish or a decision, even though it's in Brazil, which is why I think all the action is coming in on Jacare, I'm still going to take the Polish Jan Blakovic to get the win in the main event. You got an opinion on this main event, Robert Hale, between uh, the Polish Jan Blakovic and uh, Jacare up at 205? Uh, I'm going to go, yeah. surprisingly, I'm going to go with Jacare. <laughs> uh, I think Jacare going to. I think Jacare can hit 
just as hard as a light heavyweight, just because he's like, he's like, he's like he's thirty nine. He has older, older. Everybody don't believe it. Older man strength. Um, he's already he already hits heavy. I believe Jan is gonna, you know, he's I think he's gonna underestimate Jacare, and he's gonna try to bang. He's gonna try to bang with him because he's gonna try to overwhelm him just because of his weight class, and he's gonna try to show him or try to impose his his will on him and show him how big of a of a difference in weight it's gonna be. And I think Jacare might catch him. Man. Why might go out? So Robert King Hale's taking Jacare Souza for the upset here in Brazil. Follow Robert King Hale at King Hale MMA on Twitter and Blue underscore King underscore MMA on Instagram. Yes, sir. And Shaq, now we got to answer these fan questions. So Angel wants to know if Shogun loses to Paul Craig, should he retire? That's a uh, that's not my place to decide. No, he should just come back for one more in Brazil and let's fight, you know, a lesser guy, which is already something that he's been doing. Paul Craig is one of the lessest guys he's ever fought, so I think that... Uh, or let's go smash cans in Japan yeah. and get paid. Yeah, nah, you don't. Shogun ain't leaving on UFC. <laughs> they, they won't let him go. Yeah. <laughs> so Jimmy the Drunk wants to know, the year is 2029 and the UFC decides to bring back another BMF title. Who would be the competitors? Um, like what a tournament. Oh, actually, uh, Frankie Edgar's child versus Chris Weidman's child for the two twenty 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 nine. Oh, I mean, is Edmund Shabazian going to be uh in his prime around then? Nine years. I mean, yeah, it'll still be fine. That's a that's a long ass time. Um, who's young? Montel, you know, you know uh, whoever's young. Macy man. Barber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who's young? Garrett Irwin wants to know, do you think the Nick Diaz comeback is realistic? If so, uh, do you want to see him fight Jorge no, Masvidal? No, no, I think it's complete horse shit. I don't think the guy wants to fight. I think that, honestly, he just should, he needs to stop. I, I got a lot of respect for the guy, but I think that that sometimes they have a pattern of just barking on the sidelines a lot. So I think that uh, he doesn't want to fight, and if he fought Masvidal, that would get ugly. Look, uh, Nick Diaz is one of my all-time favorite fighters. Wins over Robbie Lawler, Paul Daly, Carlos. Uh, actually, he didn't beat Carlos Conda, did he? BJ Penn. Um, the list goes on and on. But at the end of the day, man, when I heard that last interview, it was very uncomfortable to watch. But at the same time, what should Nick Diaz be doing? You know, he's a fighter through and through. So, you know, if you take fighting away from him, he's going to go crazy, as you saw in this five-year layoff. So I don't know, man. But uh, Jorge Masvidal would absolutely mop the floor with him. So not necessarily that fight. But, you know, let him beat up on someone. You know, bring uh, Melvin Guillard back for a one-off. <laughs> Who you got between Nick Diaz and Mickey Gall? Mickey Gall? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Nick, <laughs> I can't say that publicly. But, uh, all right, Kevin Goodson wants to know, Trying to make a trip to Raleigh, shaping up to be a hell of a car so far. You know, we were talking about it, man, but, man, it's a six-hour a six and 45-minute drive, but if the flight ain't too bad, uh, there's a chance you could see us there. Musasi Jab wants to know, what's yours and Lord Shaq's best and worst fight read of 2019? I'll say my worst is Ricky Simone and Uriah Favor by far. Um, th that's... By far the worst. I don't know what my best is. Maybe maybe Diego Sanchez over Mickey Gall at plus two twenty five. Yeah, your heart dropped, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Um, my worst one, man. 
You had McCall Olachechek to beat uh, Ovin St. Prue. That was pretty bad. Uh, best one. My best one, uh, man, there's a couple. You know, Molly McCann at Dog Money. Patricio Pitbull against Michael Chandler. Uh, you know, some good ones. Guillermo wants to know, am I crazy or is Dubronx untrustworthy at minus 400 chalk? See, I set him at minus 400, so it's not like you're really yeah. getting value, you know? Yeah, no, I just think that it, that it is what it is. I, but I... I He's going pers- he's, he's to finish Jared I Gordon. I personally think that he will submit Jared, uh, Jared Gordon. So the filthy Frankster wants to know, what's up, Dan and Shaq? Much love. Curious question. Curious uh, your thoughts on on how certain things play out in the UFC and if it correlates to what the WWE does in portraying its storyline, perhaps suggesting some fight storylines are pre-scripted even as far as throwing a fight. Mm. <laughs> I mean... It's a pretty loaded question. I'm not going to fully disagree with that. I'm going to just say bang cunts. <laughs> uh, that was a fixed fight, facts. I mean, they definitely... Can, uh, is Bang still in prison? There's a chance. Uh, I'm pretty sure he, he, he ain't got, been returning sure my calls. Like, I'm pretty sure he got 10 years, if I'm not mistaken, like, so, for fixing a fight. But, there has been. Is there still going on? I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah, here and there, like... I mean, what do you think they call in Smoliakov for? They tell him, to come, <laughs> they tell him to come in. But here. the thing is, Greg Hardy would whoop that dude's ass no matter but what. But they, they, all right. Well, I, I still think that occasionally maybe they just like tell guys to. I'm, I'm not gonna go on record unless I got proof. Yeah, but and I got proof of banging cunts. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? Isn't that a great name too? All right, Kevin Goodson wants to know any chance Jared Nitrain Gooden actually gets the call for the Mickey Gall fight. I'm worried they're looking for a more favorable matchup. So, honestly, it's funny because I was telling Shaq that this is the first time in a while because there's been a lot of you know short notice replacements and guys needing to take a call or take a fight, and this is one where it would make sense. Now, whether it's actually going to happen or not is a different story. We hope it's going to happen. But uh, either way, I think uh, that call is coming late uh, to late 2019 and uh, early to mid 2020. Yeah, it just depends on what my bad. It just depends on what Mickey Gall wants to do. Uh, I'm sure now that Mickey Gall is gonna be, you know, very cautious of who he wants to fight because now he's not gonna know too much about him. Uh, but he was getting ready for a fight with Condit. Uh, who's his manager? I don't know who his new manager is, but one thing I know is Mickey actually knows who Jared is because his old manager, who you know who he is, yeah. uh, asked me about Jared Wait, Good, and I, I was like, no, 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 don't take that fight. <laughs> um, so. Oh, yeah, that is his old manager. Okay, yeah. But, yeah, Mickey Gall, I'll be interested to see if he gets a fight. You think he gets a fight? He's definitely going to get a fight. Yeah. I wish he was getting the Condit fight. Yeah. But, uh, Condit's completely done. How about that? Let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Kobe Cap Khabib wants to know, can can Trinaldi, you mean Trinaldo, can Trinaldo continue to improve and be green? I never I never want to set a cap on a, another grown man or a limit, especially a guy like him who keeps pushing the limits and who keeps proving himself. And, you know, a guy of his age who I think he's won, what, eight of his last ten. So I got so much respect for a guy like Francisco Trinado. So I won't set a cap, but historically speaking, a lightweight at 41 years old is more sore, has more sore towards uh, the end of their career than the beginning. Yeah, 100%. I think Trinaldo's still a tough guy. I don't think like he's going to get faster, stronger. 
throw the di different combinations or anything like that. It's going to probably be the same thing. Bobby Green's probably going to be the same thing. I think it's just going to be a great fight between two vets of the game. Uh, so, uh, no, I don't really think either guy is going to improve much. Uh, I think it's just going to come down to who's in better shape, who throws more, and, you know, we'll see what happens. Trev wants to know, who's the one fighter you can pick against the most confidently? I mean, it's tough to say because fighters are always evolving, and it really depends on the matchup because sometimes you can be so confident wanting to fade someone, and then they go out there and win. And if you blind fade someone, you can get in big trouble. Um, and I've learned that myself uh, the hard way, you know. With, for example, like Lauren Murphy, like I used to think, I used to think anyone can go out there and beat Lauren Murphy, and actually, that that's not the case. So it's hard to really pick one fighter that I can pick against so confidently. Yeah. Or James Bachnevik, but yeah, I was just thinking. About it. I mean, yeah, occasionally there's a couple cans. Uh, but Jarvis uh, Danho. But yeah, J there you go, Jarvis Danho, uh, Smoliakov. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I think you pretty much said it correctly. But I like the response to that uh, 420 MMA, Heather Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to my boy, 420 MMA. Stuart Tuckwell wants to know, which fighter is most likely to pull a stunt this weekend? <laughs> um, Lipsky. Uh, <laughs> Lipsky's a grade-A stunt puller. Uh, look, I love Randy, but he has been known to pull a stunt here and there. What about Ricardo Ramos? Uh, Ricardo's pulled a stunt before. Um, you think... Uh, Jan Blakovich or Mauricio Shogun, uh, my pull of stunt. I think more more or than Douglas like. De Silva. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say Lipsky. Yeah, Lipsky is always a. a <laughs> Lipsky is a great A stunt pullet. <laughs> Long term, you will be uh, on the right side if you pick uh, Lipsky to to pull a stunt. You know what I mean? So on our YouTube channel, my boy John Owen says, since you guys are from the South. You gonna make it up to a upcoming t upcoming card? I mean, I'd love to. You yeah. never know what the future holds. It'd be a lot of fun. Let's meet meet us halfway. You know what I'm saying? James C says, uh, "What's your early lean for the Volkanovski Holloway fight?" Alex brings a relentless pressuring style that Max hasn't really faced. Do you think this might be a bad stylistic matchup for him? Honestly, brother, I want to give you the most honest answer I can give you, and the only way for me to do that is to really sit down and watch. All, watch all their fights, and right now I'm focused. I take it each card at a time. But if someone put a gun to my head right now, I'm going with Holloway. But like, I respect Volkanovski so much that uh, I'm not counting him out one bit, and uh, I can't wait to really dig into this fight. Yeah, yeah I think uh, I think this is Holloway's toughest fight since Poirier. You know, at, definitely his toughest fight at 145 pounds going in, in my opinion. Evan Landry wants to know, will Jacare, Weidman, Rock, or Rockhold ever beat another ranked opponent, and what would you cap that line at? Weidman and Rockhold definitely won't. We're about to find out this weekend about uh, Jacare, so. Yeah, we'll see. we'll see very, very soon. All right. Um, downtown Sugar Dunkerton <laughs> wants to know, how many wins is Shogun away from a title? Um, so I'm actually really glad you asked that because um, – Kind of like I alluded to at the beginning of the show, this is actually literally, I'm not talking about physically, but just on paper, this is the best run Shogun has ever been on in his entire UFC career. At no point has he ever strung, uh, stung together or strung together more than two wins. And now, uh, even though he's on a one-fight win streak, prior to that, he was on a three-fight win streak. He's won four of his last five. This is, on paper, 
the best uh, form of Shogun's career in terms of wins. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that he necessarily, you know, he's, let's just be honest here, he's not going to get a title shot. But I, I think that he can, you know, make, let's let's make a BMF title for the, for the old guys, man. You know, put Shogun in there. Let's get a... Uh, Who's another uh, lover to share? <laughs> well, you know, Bring Rampage know? back. <laughs> Rampage. Do a rematch. You know, uh, I think that he doesn't really need that. Get the dude Bisney makes a there. ton of money. And I think that he's making the right move fighting these lesser known names, but still known to the to the hardcore fans. And I think that he's doing the right thing. Uh, but you never know these days in the in the 205 division if he can win five out of six, six out of seven, somebody pulls out on short notice. And they're in Brazil. You know? The real thing is, to me, it's not really about the win streak. To me, it's more so about if you can beat one of those names. Like, if you can beat a Volcan Uzmir, all of a sudden, whoa. Oh. You know, well, is he is he gonna beat those? No, guys? I, I personally don't think he yeah. can beat the Alexander Rockets. No, or... I, I think that he should commit to fighting these, you know, mid level mid level guys. And... But that's like what we were talking about at the beginning of the show. Like he's he's taking a smarter approach yeah. than a guy like Weidman. You know, when they both reach a similar part of their careers, Shogun could you know could have had that you know egomania yeah. and been like, oh, I only want to fight the top guys. And I'm sure deep down he wants to be a champion, but he knows like, look, my chin is shot. He's got the right people around him. Like, let's just make money, but yeah, ta- but take money, these fights bro. like Tyson Pedro. Yeah, like, but you got Weidman out here fighting goddamn Dominic Reyes, <laughs> number four guy in the world. Like, <laughs> like let's, let's move not, up and like, fight number four. Let, let's not ease into this no, light heavyweight to the top. Let's, 10. let's fucking fight Dominic yeah, Reyes. Let's talk. That's what name value would do. And he talks about fighting John Jones and shit like that. So it's just um unbelievable man and uh yeah so thank you very much for that great question and uh voice of reality what is your favorite what is your favorite (laughs) favorite question you and Shaq have forgotten have gotten from voice of reality i don't know man you gotta you gotta give us a really good one but shout out to voice of reality for always showing us a lot of love and support uh, you know what i'm saying that's uh that's my boy right there so much respect to you my friend and uh, thank you so much to all our fans for all your love and for sending these questions. We sincerely appreciate it. Now let's uh, talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So, Shaq, what is the fight to watch for UFC on ESPN Plus 22? Uh, my fight to watch is going to be a fight between Worley Alves and Randy Brown. I feel like it's a big showdown at 178. It kind of trajects where either guy's career is going to go from here on out. Uh, is a, I feel like both guys kind of have to win this fight. Uh both guys coming off the best performances of their careers their last fight. It's a pick em, uh, uh, well, slight lean on Worley Alves, but I feel like it's a closely matched fight, and I'm interested to see what happens. Yeah, and my fight to watch is Mauricio Shogun Rua, is, Mar- is Mauricio Shogun Hua versus Paul Craig. I mean, obviously, tell me the last time you've seen a boring Mauricio Shogun or Paul Craig fight. I mean, with Mauricio Shogun Hua, the knockout king, taking on the comeback king in Paul Craig, uh, there's no way that Hua versus Craig is going to be a boring fight. So for that reason, that is my fight to watch. Now, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Sao Paulo? My fighter to watch is going to be Charles Oliveira, the the greatest submission artist that the sport has ever seen. Uh, I think that in Sao Paulo, this guy is very uh, electric in there, and we usually see brutal finishes, so he's my fighter to watch. This guy's been looking the best he ever has, in my opinion. I feel like if he wins this fight, he deserves a big fight against one of these top ten guys. My fighter to watch is Jan Blakovich. Look, this is a guy who's often been counted out. This is a guy that at one point lost four out of, four out of five, lost to Pat Cummins. 
He was once looked at as the laughing stock of the 205 division. Now he's number six in the world, and if he can go out there and beat a guy like Ronaldo Jacare Souza, that's back-to-back -back wins over a former champion in Luke Rockhold and a perennial top five guy in Ronaldo Jacare Souza. That looks very good for the resume, and that'll solidify that, hey, Jan Blakovich is here to stay, and he's a legit name in the UFC light heavyweight division. So for that reason, Jan Blakovich is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Jan Blakovich versus Ronaldo Jacare Souza. They can follow you at MMA Genius 05 or your Instagram at ShaqBFP. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks or our Instagram, Best Fight Picks Official. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify iHeartRadio, and all the places where we are available. Buy our bets at bestfightpicks.com. We sincerely appreciate all your support. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.